Good morning, online church family. I hope you are doing very well. We are excited to be gathering together in this format online, wherever you are, whether you're at your house, maybe you're at a friend's house, maybe you're at the lake, the beach, the mountains, wherever you are, I hope you are very well on this 4th of July weekend. Praise the Lord that we live in a country that is free and uh, we celebrate that independence and that freedom today. We're going to celebrate the freedom of Christ today as we gather together online and worship the Lord. So we're kicking off a new series today, and it's called Christianity's Biggest Questions. Over the next couple of weeks, we are going to tackle just some tough questions in our faith, questions that come from sometimes the outside world, the unbelievers, and sometimes questions that come from within the church, questions that we might struggle with as believers. And the way we're going to do that is over the next couple of weeks, we're going to put together a panel uh, next week and then the, the weeks following that. Here on Sunday mornings in the building, we will have a panel of people from our church to discuss some of these difficult questions. And so I encourage you, if you are well and can join us to join us online and to join us in this building on 1030 on that morning. For our online viewers, uh, I will say that we will uh, no longer be broadcasting live online. What we will do is we record the service and then we will post that later that day. You can find that on our website and on YouTube as well. So I would encourage you that if you feel well to join us uh, in person on those Sunday mornings. If you're not there yet, I totally get it. Uh, we are in weird times and in scary times for, for most of us in the world, and so I completely understand where you are, and uh, I just, you know, will continue to pray for you. If there's anything that you can, that we can do as a church to help support you in these times, please feel free to reach out to us. So, in this week one, the first question that I want to ask as we kind of dive into this series is really a question that's going to set us up for the answers to the other weeks. And the very first question is, why is it important to wrestle with difficult questions? Why is it important to wrestle with difficult questions? Over the past few weeks, uh, our world, but specifically our country, has been wrestling with difficult questions regarding racism. And the wisest voices throughout this time have said one clear and consistent statement. And they've made the statement that essentially is to listen and wrestle. During all of these conversations that are awkward for some of us, that are that are extremely difficult for, for many of us, the wisest voices continue to yell, and you can hear their echoes throughout social media and media and other places, and they continue to tell us to just listen and then wrestle with the difficult conversations that need to be had. When a difficult question confronts us, you and I may have a tendency to assume that we have the right answer. I know that I do this often. When something comes in front of me, and maybe it's a difficult task or a difficult question, 
my knee-jerk reaction is to assume that I know the answer. And in reality, that's poor leadership, and that's really just foolish. The, the writer in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. So I, I hear this problematic question, or I see this issue in front of me, and regardless of new information, regardless of another's interpretation or perspective, I begin to give my answer to this problem. And what the Holy Spirit would tell us through this writer is that we are foolish to do that. The word here in this text is actually the original Hebrew language. It breaks down to mean to hear intelligently, often with the implication of intention or obedience. So when the, the writer says if one gives an answer before he hears, what he's actually saying is one gives an answer before he's thought about his response, before he or she has really processed the information and then gives you a rebuttal, then you are a fool. Now, I don't think any of us wish to be foolish. I mean, do you wake up every morning and go, I want to make a foolish decision? Most likely not. We all desire in some way, shape, or form to be wise. And so the first answer to this question of why is it important to wrestle with difficult questions is, is number one, it's important so that we may become wise. To see from another's perspective. To grasp a greater view of the situation, or of the problem. Now with regards to our sermon series, with regards to, the, to Christianity, why is it important for us to wrestle with difficult questions? Well, we're going to find that answer, and we're going to start off in, in the book of 1 Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 15, and we're going to bounce all over today in different texts, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to just try to answer this question from a Christian perspective and most specifically, applying to our relationship with Jesus, how and why is it important to, dif- to wrestle with difficult questions? First Peter chapter three, verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. So here, Peter is talking to the church that is scattered throughout Asia Minor, and he is telling them to to know and to remember to hold fast to the tenets of the faith. And then he says, be ready to rebuke those who spread falsities about the faith. Be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of this hope that you have. Now questions and doubts then would be uh, of their day would be of the same questions and doubts that we have today. I mean if you can think about first Peter and this this letter that Peter's writing to these people in Asia Minor, what questions and doubts would they have? I mean they had they were near to Jesus. They had the apostles. 
Well, they would have still had some of the same questions and doubts that we have today. Questions like, did Jesus really resurrect from the dead? That's a big question. How many of you have ever met someone who came back from the dead? Let's say they were dead for three days and then they came back from the dead. There's not a lot of us that would say firsthand I have seen that happen. There's actually none of us that have seen that firsthand today. They would ask questions like, how did Jesus and His disciples feed the 5,000? Today we answer many of those same questions and more. We, we look to answer questions regarding evolution and creation and archaeologists find certain evidence that they would say that disproves the flood or other things throughout scripture and history and yet we today have to wrestle with these questions and give good logical and spiritual answers to these questions the holy spirit through peter tells us to be ready to wrestle with these type of questions because they are coming. So for the next couple of weeks, and specifically we're going to hone in today, what we are kind of going to be doing and what we're going to be talking about is this branch of Christian theology known as apologetics. And apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia or apologia or apologa. I've heard it pronounced probably 17 different ways, and all of them are probably wrong to some degree, but it's essentially a term that means to give one's defense. It's actually a legal term where someone would give their defense in their case. William Lane Craig, a well-known apologist, says this, that apologetics serves specifically to show unbelievers the truth of the Christian faith. To confirm that faith to believers and to reveal and explore the connections between Christian doctrine and other truths. In the popular Christmas movie, Miracle on 34th Street, and yes, I'm talking about a Christmas illustration. We're still months away. Don't get too excited. But Christmas is coming. It's eventually. Lord willing. Right? But in this popular movie, Miracle on 34th Street, little Susie is confused about why so many people believe in Santa Claus. And she is just perplexed at why these people would believe in this man and all that comes with Santa Claus. And like most good mothers, they would say, well, you need to believe in Santa Claus. You need to have faith that he exists and Susie responds to her mother by saying this but that doesn't make any sense mommy and then her mother says back to her faith is believing in something when common sense tells you not to and the sad truth is that this is how many people see faith when everything points to the answer being no Faith says yes. And I'm not sure that that's a good biblical definition of faith. That, that 
It's not something that we simply just believe and never question. Or it's not a, a belief that we have that comes illogically or from a place of irrationality. No, our faith is deeper than that. The writer of Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We talked about hope several months ago in our sermon series walking through First Peter, when life gives you limits, I encourage you to go back and, and watch that sermon series if you didn't. But hope is not this simple term that, oh, I hope I get uh, something for lunch today that I, I am really craving or that I hope that this happens. No, the hope that we have in Christ is a cemented, concrete hope. Like Jesus is not just a figment of our imagination. He is the living Christ. He is before all things and after all things and in Him all things are held together and that is who our hope is in. So, the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen for by it. The people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are vis visible. But this definition is, is very different than Little Susie's. This definition kind of unpacks some things a, a, a little more fully for us, for us, but it doesn't insist, as Little Susie's mother's definition of faith does, that we should just have an irrational faith. No, this faith insists that we have a rationality to it and that we can wrestle with tough questions. We can wrestle with the idea of creation. We can wrestle with many of the difficult topics that we see in Scripture. It basically, simply states in this text from the Hebrew writer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that we need to acknowledge that faith is needed to believe. Now this is nothing new. I think we, we, we debate on what it takes to become a Christ follower at times, and it always comes back to faith. Our faith does not come from our understanding or our rationale. Does understanding and rationale help? Does it help grow our faith? Absolutely. But our faith comes from God directly to each of us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. What have you been saved through? Faith. And this is not your own doing. This faith that you've been saved through and by, it's not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, chapter 12, verse 3, 4, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You didn't earn what you have, is what Paul is trying to tell them. Like, do not think of yourself better than others, but to think with sober judgment. There's rationale there. Be, be logical. Each, according to the measure 
of understanding? No. To the measure of rationality? No. To the measure of faith that God has assigned. So we are to think rationally, think logically, but all of it comes at the feet of faith that is given to us by the Lord. Faith is needed for belief in Christ. Faith is the motor that we live by each day. Faith is the thing that gets us through difficult times in our day. It is the assurance of Christ. It is the eternal hope of security and the daily hope of guidance by the Holy Spirit. Now you may be asking yourself, well, if faith comes from God and faith is the only way that we will fully believe in God, then why do we need rationale? Or why do we need logic? Or why specifically do we need apologetics? If faith doesn't come simply from understanding or having a good reason, a logical mind, it comes through God, faith comes directly from Him, then why do we need to defend the faith? Why do we need to wrestle with things? And the simple answer is that we all want to know the truth. We, we want to know that this faith, this thing that is going on in our spirit that went from death to life, has a logic to it. And let me say this, off topic, sort of, our faith, the Christian faith, is the most logical faith that there is. And we'll talk about this in week four, but both science and faith in Jesus, they will come to a point to where all of their questions will not be answered. A lot of them will. Many of the questions will be answered on both sides. And on both sides, there may be some decent answers given by science. There's some great answers, in my opinion, given by our Lord. But at the end of it, there comes a point where we have to go, we do not simply know. We don't know one plus one equals two. Looking at the science one, Who's the first mover? So if you're an evolutionist, where did all these things come together to create our world? This big bang, things were just floating. What created these things? What created these atoms? This matter that would all of a sudden turn into our world? And why is our world so perfectly woven together? Together, There was just a small chance, a fractional tiny chance that this would happen and yet somehow it did, whereas we look at creationism and we know who the first mover is, the prime mover, as they would say in philosophy, it is God. Now, where did God come from? He is before all things and after all things. He is outside of time, as Thomas Aquinas would say. But when we wrestle with this as, as followers of Jesus, we have to come to a point where we go, okay, our faith is given to us by God, then why do we need to wrestle with truth? Why do we need to have logical conversations? Why do we need to wrestle with tough questions? And the answer is because we want to know the truth. You could go back to William Lane Craig's answers. 
not only do we want to know the truth for ourselves, but we want to be able to show others the truth in the hopes that if that was the stumbling block for them, then maybe through that, the Holy Spirit will move in their heart. Paul, in Acts chapter 17, we see Paul and Silas going to a group of people. Let's read this text. Acts, Acts chapter 17, verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, meaning that they had education and they were highly intellectual people. They received the word with all eagerness. So Paul and Silas go in and preach the gospel to these people. And they receive this gospel as right here the, the author of Acts, Luke, is telling us. And after they receive this word with eagerness, they begin to examine the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. These Bereans were intellectuals. And when Paul and Silas arrived and taught them the Gospel, their first inclination was to dive in and learn more. To wrestle with difficult questions. We should be like the Bereans. William Lane Craig says that if parents are not intellectually engaged with their faith, and they do not have sound arguments for Christian theism and good answers to their children's questions, then we are in real danger of losing our youth. It's no longer enough to teach our children Bible stories. Bible stories are good. They are the foundation. But they need to learn doctrine and apologetics. The purpose of apologetics is not to be one who is great with their words or to be highly trained in the art of debating. It is to know Christ more and to be able to fend off wolves that encroach our sheep. So over the next few weeks, we're, we are going to wrestle with tough questions throughout Scripture. We're going to wrestle with tough questions that come from the outside of the church in. And the reason that we are going to do this is simply, number one, the Lord tells us to. He says, be ready to make a defense. And then He tells us, to study His Word, to, to know His Word, and to be given assurance of the faith that we have. So we don't wrestle with tough questions because we are merely doubting, although doubts happen. And when doubts come, I would encourage you to run to God, to run to His Word and search for the answer. If you're doubting Jesus this morning, I would encourage you to pray and run to His Word. To so go read the Gospel of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or all four and see how all four 
weave together this glorious picture of our Lord and Savior. Do not be ashamed of your doubts. Bring your doubts to the Lord. Go straight to Him. Find other believers in your life, believers who are further down the journey than you, and have conversations with them. Tough conversations. Wrestle with some of the doubts in your life. Do not just hide them and expect for them to go away because Satan will go and try to use them and spread a divide between you and your Father. Do not run from doubts. Run to the Lord. And He will give you the answers. We see this in Scripture. If we lack, we should ask. Go to Jesus. Throughout this series, we're we're going to wrestle with tough questions. I think you've gotten that. But my hope in this is not to just simply give you answers. My hope is that we will build up the theological and doctrinal knowledge of God's people so that we can stand united in Christ for Christ. If you're watching this morning and you don't know the Lord, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I I would ask you a question. What's stopping you? Is it doubts? Is it something in your life? Is it maybe human failure? Because we, we do this often. We take a perfect story and picture of our Lord and we convey it in false ways. Maybe we convey it because our body language and the words that we use and the actions that we take do not represent what we believe. I would tell you to give grace. Forgiveness. Because throughout Scripture we'll see that God uses imperfect people for His perfect will. Maybe you need to just wrestle with some of these difficult questions, and I'd encourage you to join us over the next couple of weeks. Maybe you need to reach out. You can email us at connect at piedmontchurch.net. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to become a Christ follower, what it means to follow Jesus with our lives. Maybe you need to get plugged into a church. Maybe it's Piedmont. Maybe it's another church. Maybe you're in a different city. Maybe you're in the same city. And Um, Piedmont's just not your jam. I get that. Each church is unique and has a unique gifting and a unique calling. So I want to encourage you, wherever you are, non-believer, believer of 50 years, do not run from doubts, but run to God. Because we wrestle with tough questions so that we can have a sure faith in the Lord and so that others will see the truth of who Jesus is.